Well, this might be a little bit of old news, but I'm going to bring it up anyway, because while so many people were panicking about Daniil Hunter, so many people were predicting he was going to be traded or traded for poor value. Let's face it, uh, Viking, Viking fans, NFL fans are prone to panic. Uh, Jeff Diamond had, has been telling us for a long time how it was going to turn out. He kept on saying, yeah, they could get a, a long-term deal done, but if that doesn't work out, you can find a way to get this done by giving him a short-term deal with at $20 million or more, keep him in the fold, kick the can down the road as far as long-term uh, decisions, and have a, one of your best players ready for the season. And guess what happened? That's exactly what happened. Uh, Hunter didn't make a big deal out of holding out. No, neither side really went publicly uh, public with any criticisms of the other side, which I always thought was a good sign. And the deal finally got done almost exactly the way you predicted it, Jeff. Yeah, I think that I, I probably more expected them to get a little bit longer deal than just the one year. But in the final analysis, I think it's a it's a very team friendly deal. And I'm sure that Daniil would have wanted to get much more guaranteed money in that $50 million range or more. But still, he's going to make $17 million this year with $3 million in incentives that he can potentially earn. And he's going to need to stay on the field to do that. And the Vikings will be happy to pay him that if he stays on the field and, and he has 14 and a half or 15 sacks like he's done a couple times in his career. And he's a Pro Bowl player again. So he, he is a top 10 paid edge rusher, which I'm sure he was part of his goal. But I think it was it was really critical that they have him. It, it's pretty obvious when you look at, at the Vikings' defense, they've got to have a pass rush. He's their best pass rusher. Now they now they can pair him with with Marcus Davenport, the free agent signee, and, and hope that Davenport plays like he did two years ago when he had nine sacks in New Orleans as a former first-round pick there, and not like last year when he was hurt often and only had a half a sack. So we'll see. And they – are going to hope for more from DJ Wanham, Patrick Jones in the rotation. But we know that Brian Flores loves the blitz and he's going to have Harrison Smith playing more aggressively as he did under Zimmer compared to under Donatel. And I think it's, uh, you watch a guy in, in training camp, such as Brian Asamoa, who is being counted on to replace Eric Kendricks and, He's one of the guys we'll be watching in these preseason games and the joint practices coming up beginning next week with, with Tennessee here. Preseason starting now, preseason games. <clears throat> and we know the starters aren't going to play <clears throat> for the most part in preseason games, but they're all going to be in action in those joint practices uh, with Tennessee and with Arizona coming up. So I'll, I'll still a lot of intrigue. And a lot of things to watch, which we can talk about as, as these as these games and practices unfold. And I've been out there most days, Jim, and and just kind of keeping my eye on, for example, Jordan Addison, the first round pick, and he's been impressive in training camp. I've been I've been watching closely the cornerback situation because that's the biggest question mark on this team, and they need these young guys that have been drafted in the last few years to come through for them. And I'm talking about Andrew Booth, 
the second round pick last year. I'm talking about a Caleb Evans, fourth rounder last year, Makai Blackman, third rounder this year, and throw into the mix Byron Murphy, who is going to be a starter. He's their big free agent signee at corner, but it's a whole new crop, a whole new group of, of corners. And that's got to be scary for the Viking coaches. And, and again, that goes back to why it was critical to sign Daniil Hunter and get him in camp and not have this being extended, whether it was a hold in or hold out, get it done, get him in, in there. They can ease him into the lineup, which they've been doing. He's, he was, was participating in some of the 11 on 11 for the first time uh, the other day. And he won't play in Seattle, I'm sure, but, but he, I think, will get more playtime in, in these joint practices with Tennessee next week. He's Jeff Diamond, former Vikings general manager, former president of the Tennessee Titans, currently working in media and in uh, player agency. Uh, this is Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. Best way to listen, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. You can also go to our website, talknorth.com, to find this show, all of our other shows, and the Viking Update show if you're interested in more Viking content. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton, and thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. Thanks also to our longtime sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. So let's get into the cornerbacks. I think uh, that might not be the uh, the sexiest thing to watch as we watch these preseason games. By the way, we're recording this before preseason game number one. We're not really doing it as a preview of a preseason game. Preseason games aren't worth previewing. We're going to talk more big picture. Uh, what have you seen from the young cornerbacks? How do you think they'll be used? And what, where are the real competitions in that group? Well, I'll start with Byron Murphy Jr., and as I said, he was their main free agent signee along the Davenport. And I've been impressed with him. I think he's got good speed, good agility, movement skills. They've had him doing a lot of one-on-one at camp with Justin Jefferson, which is obviously great preparation for the season ahead when you're facing the league's best receiver one-on-one in camp oftentimes, whether it's in one-on-ones or seven-on-seven drills. He's, he's been on Jefferson a lot, and, and that's a good thing for Murphy. The other thing with Byron Murphy that's interesting, he'll start at outside, outside corner, one of the two outside corner spots, but they're going to move him into the slot often uh, as a slot corner in obvious passing situations. So that essentially opens up two outside corner spots. Uh, and who is going to emerge? Caleb Evans is the guy who's been holding down the other outside corner spot right now. I like a Caleb. I thought he played pretty well in his rookie season last year until the concussions knocked him out of the lineup. He says he's changed his tackling technique, going to more to the, the Pete Carroll rugby style, which is a good thing, not use your head and, and more using your shoulders in, in the tackling process, which is what every young player should be doing these days too. Andrew Booth, I don't know, Jim. I, I just don't think they can count on him. He already had a minor injury in camp. Unless he pulls a Robert Smith as a guy who was hurt often early in his career and overcame it and became a great player, I just don't know. Because Andrew Booth was hurt often in, in college, and he carried it for last year, only played six games. I don't know that you can count on him, which means it, it puts – Makai Blackman, the third-round pick this year, right into the mix. And, and he has been getting a lot of playtime. And it was interesting 
And, and there's a lot of talk when that first depth chart is released, which happened this week. And Kevin O'Connell immediately said, don't read too much into it. And that's pretty obvious when you see Blackman listed as a third string corner behind you got Murphy and Evans as the first two. Then you had Booth and Joan Williams as the next two. And then Blackman as a third string corner. But meanwhile, he was lining up as one of the top three corners most of the time in training. Yeah. So the depth chart, yeah, not not really that effective early on. And and so I, I'm going to be interested in watching Blackman in preseason games. He'll get a lot of play time and in, in the joint practices with Tennessee and with Arizona. He's a guy that they need to come on, whether he ends up being one of the top three this year. You know guys are going to get hurt, get nicked, and he's going to get play time. The coaches have been talking him up, saying he's getting better. And so that's, that's a good thing with, with Blackman. So the other interesting guy, I, I, I think, too, is when you look at, at the safety situation, and I've been watching, watching the safeties carefully, especially seeing what Lewis Seen could possibly contribute this year as a former first-round pick. And, and he's a guy that, that is kind of stuck when, when you've got Cam Bynum and obviously Harrison Smith holding down the two starting spots. And I don't see seeing knocking, knocking Bynum out of the lineup right now. They, they say there's some packages for seeing potentially in nickel or whatever that he could get on the field. And same thing with Josh Metellus. But another guy who's kind of interesting is Jay Ward. Um, he's a, a fourth-round p- rookie. And I, I was watching him and kind of liked what I saw from him the other night in, in the evening practice. And, and in some of the other practices. And so he's a guy I think that has some talent and, and could work into the mix eventually. Clearly he's going to be a guy that's going to be big on special teams early on, which is what you expect out of a player like that. So those are all interesting players in the secondary, that corner situation. It's concerning, even though it looks like the talent level is there but if Booth could come through and be the kind of player that they had hoped for when they drafted him in the second round, that would be such a huge thing for that defense and that secondary, whether he starts or whether he is, is a key backup or he's playing nickel. But if he keeps getting hurt, they're going to have to eventually figure he's just not the answer. You know, we you always talk about delaying judgment on drafts, and of course – we we really can't in this business. We have to react to it in some way, even if it's just a you know whatever level of analysis you can provide. You know, fans want it right away, and you have to go ahead and take your shot. Just the way just the way teams put themselves out there by making the pick, we have to put ourselves out there by guessing how that pick's going to turn out. And I think both of us tried to delay too much judgment on scene and booth the way they went about getting them. Um, obviously, they're both positions of need. But I mean, if Cena and Booth aren't playing for this team early in this season, it's not going to look like it's going to look like a bad draft. Yeah, it it, it will. Now, if, if Asamoa is starting and Evans, mm-hmm. then then that that definitely looks better because those guys were also part of that draft. But right. and Jalen Naylor is another guy who was in that draft class, and he right now is one of the top four receivers. He's been he's been nicked a little in training camp too. 
so yeah, but you definitely don't want to whiff on, on your first first round pick, especially. And when they traded out of that, whatever was the 14th spot and moved back and, and they had a shot at some really good players and some really good corners too, even in the second round when they took Booth. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure that Quasi Adolfo Mensa is very keenly watching those two players and hoping they can emerge. That's really important for the secondary, definitely. But this I, is- I, think, I, I think offensively too, Jim, there are a lot of interesting things to watch in these in these preseason games and in the joint practices one of the the really fascinating things i found the other night was Nikhil harry who they signed this week big wide receiver former first round pick of the patriots he was the star of the night in, in that evening practice uh this week at at uh at tco stadium he made three outstanding catches uh now i'm not sure how fast he is uh, because they, he made these catches in traffic, which means maybe he's not creating as much separation as they want. But the guy made some great catches, and this is his third team, so he may be highly motivated. And I think what's really interesting, and there's not that much discussion this right now about this, but Jalen Rager is a guy who... Obviously, the Eagles picked in the first round ahead of Justin Jefferson. We know that whole history and how they live to regret that. They cut him, and he ends up with the Vikings. So he was a backup receiver last year, only had a handful of catches, but he was also their primary punt returner, but really not that impressive as a punt returner. Had only a 6.4-yard average. And so they go out and sign Brandon Powell, who had played for O'Connell at the Rams, he had 24 catches last year for the Rams and also was their punt returner. He's got a 9.6 career punt return average. He also had a, a punt return touchdown against the Vikings a couple of years ago. So you, you throw Powell into the mix, and, and obviously the top three receivers are going to be Jefferson, Osborne, and Jordan Addison, who has really looked impressive in training camp, by the way. And he's a guy that I'm really interested to watch in these preseason games and in the joint practices against quality opposition defensively. But but Rager, I think he's in jeopardy, Jim. And, and Nikhil Harry, as I mentioned with his performance the other night, and we'll see how he progresses as he continues to learn the offense, but he's a big receiver. He's only making about a million bucks. Hare, uh, Rager's making $2.4 million this year, and they're going to need to free up some cap room when even though they've got Hunter done, they still need to get Jefferson's deal done. And and Hunter's deal came in a little higher than I thought it would cap-wise in the first year. So they're going to need to free up some room. And that means a guy like Jalen Rager, if he's not separating himself clearly from guys like Powell who are making a million bucks and Harry, I think that, that he could be a, a cap casualty when you get to the final cut. And especially if he's still listed right now as a, as a, a backup receiver, these other guys I think could, could surpass him. So it's something to watch for when you look at the, the receiver competition and, and watching guys like Powell and, and Harry and, and how they're progressing Jalen Nayer when he gets into the mix. 
because those fourth and fifth receiver spots are, are, are open in competition. And I, I think Rager is, is in jeopardy because of that high salary. And, and then the running backs too, Jim, we can talk about in a second. And they, they that's an interesting competition also. Yes, it is. Uh, let's thank our longtime sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore Buick GMC. My longtime friend, owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Gutrell, their great staff, Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and their super friendly premium team. Check out their great website, whitebearlakesuperstore.com, and you'll see the summer sales event. $2,250 total savings and 1.9% APR on 2023 Buick Encore GXs, a $1,000 dealer discount, $750 rebate, and 2.49% APR on 2023 Buick Envisions, and a $1,500 dealer discount and $3,250 trade assistance and bonus cash with a 0.9% APR on 2023 GMC Sierra Crew Cab 1500s. The White Bear Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 Van Superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Check out the rest of the TalkNorth.com lineup. We've got uh, Roy and Lavelle and myself on baseball and the Chin Music Show. We do a lot of live shows downtown Minneapolis uh, as well. Check those out if you get a chance. We usually give away some cool Twins merch when we do those. Those are sponsored by Grain Belt. Uh, also, Mike Grimm's Go Gopher podcast broke some news this week uh, announcing that Spencer Tollickson is going to step away from broadcasting. Spencer's a really good dude and a good broadcaster. I'll miss having him around, uh, but check out Check out the Mike Grimm Show for insights on go for football, basketball, and all the other sports. Uh, and, hey, we've just got a million shows, sports shows, lots of hockey, lots of football, uh, outdoor content, variety content. Check it all out at TalkNorth.com. Thanks again to our producer, Brandon Morton. Uh, so you just mentioned the running backs. Take us through the running back competition. Uh, again, we talk about those depth charts. And Kanewagu the third year back is listed as the number two running back behind Alexander Madison and Madison looks really good in camp running well, catching the ball. Well, and we've talked about him before. Um, I actually thought he was the better short yards back last year compared to Dalvin cook. Now uh, Madison is not the home run threat that cook was Juan Gu could be that home run threat because he's got the speed. We've seen that as an excellent kickoff returner, but he's been out with a minor injury recently and I really like Ty Chandler, last year's fifth rounder. He was impressive last year in preseason, looks really good in camp. In, in, the, in the night practice this week, he was catching a lot of passes out of the backfield from Cousins with, with that first unit. Um, and then rookie seventh rounder Dwayne McBride, I think, will get a lot of carries in preseason games. And, and he's a guy, that, a guy that a lot of people felt could have gone as early as the fourth round. And so it'll be interesting to watch him in action in the games and in their joint practices. So, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people had been very concerned about Dalvin Cook leaving. I, I think that they've got pretty good depth at running back and could turn out okay. And 
And you talk about Dalvin Cook last year. Well, the Vikings running game only ranked 28th in the league while their passing game was sixth best. So uh, there is a lot of emphasis at camp practices on improving the running attack to better balance the offense. And that, and that running back number two spot is important in order to give Madison relief. And Madison's been nicked periodically in his career. So I think that's a, a really interesting competition to watch. <clears throat> and then talking about some of the competition in camp and in these preseason games and, and joint practices, the quarterbacks. Now, obviously, Cousins is not going to play much if at all in preseason games, and he shouldn't. He doesn't need to. He'll play a lot in the joint practices, however, and so that'll be the opportunity to see him. But joint practices, are, they're not tackling the quarterback, and so I think the coaches feel more comfortable giving him a lot of, a lot of reps in those, in those practices, and he most likely will not play. If he played in a preseason game, it might be a series, but that's about it. So that, that means Nick Mullins gets to start. And Mullins, I think, is a guy who looks good. He's got 17 or so career starts. That's a positive for a, a number two quarterback. Jaron Hall is a guy who I'm really interested in seeing in game action. Watching him the, the other night in the joint practice, uh, he was a little up and down, made some really good throws, shows a good enough arm. But again, as with all rookies, it's hard to make decisions sometimes. They're a little slow with the decision-making. And so he took off and ran a lot. <laughs> and I think, I think we're going to see that in the preseason games and in the joint practices, too, when he's out there, that he'll be pulling that down and running. And he's got some good speed, some good athleticism. So, but O'Connell and Cousins have been talking him up and saying, hey, he's been doing a lot of good things and learning the offense and doing a good job there. So... So he'll be an inter- interesting guy to see. For the people that think that Jaron Hall is is the heir apparent to Cousins, I don't know about that. When you're talking about a fifth-round quarterback, quarterback, he would really have to be astounding in his rookie year before we could really imagine that he could be a, a starter next year. And, and Mullins is what Mullins is. He's a good player, but not necessarily the heir apparent to Cousins either. So... I think that, that Kirk, Kirk is having a good camp. He is loose. He's relaxed. Hearing him in his press, his press conference talking about being goofy at camp and all that. And so I don't think Kirk's sweating the fact that he this is his last year under contract <laughs> because he's been in this situation before several times in Washington, and he's always come out smelling like a rose. We know that, including when he got the $28 million a year guaranteed deal with the Vikings in 2018. So I don't think he's too worried about it. He's got plenty of money in the bank, and and he knows that there'll be teams that'll be looking for for a, a starting quarterback next year if the Vikings don't extend him. But I fully expect him to have a really good year and to get extended again. <clears throat> and I'm sure he doesn't want to move here. He's got young kids here in school. So those are things that that GMs think about when they think about well, what's the future of quarterback? And do I need really need to worry that much about Kirk Cousins in the last year of his deal? I don't know that that's a big concern, and I don't think Cousins is worried about it either. No, I don't think so. Uh, he'll end up making a billion dollars in his career no matter what, where he plays. It's just going <laughs> right. to happen. Uh, you know, next week we'll get more into what happened in the first preseason game. We'll set up the second preseason game, get more into camp, camp battles. For today, let's wrap up today's show. Just tell us what what's catching your eye around the league right now. Yeah, I, I think the – Probably 
the biggest things are the, these uh, quarterback competitions for starting jobs. And there's nothing to, to spice up a kind of a dull preseason and training camp more than a, a, a bat, battle for a starting quarterback position. And that's what's going on in Tampa Bay, which is of keen interest to the Vikings, of course, because they host the Bucks in the regular season opener on September 10th. And down there, you, you've got Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield competing for the starting quarterback position. Everybody assumed that Mayfield would be the guy, but the word out of Tampa Bay is that Trask has really come on in camp. And, for example, Mayfield's throwing – I, I saw something Mayfield was throwing nine interceptions in camp, which really doesn't mean that much in camp practice, but and Trask had thrown four. Well, if that translates to the preseason games, when the, both of those guys are going to play probably a half a piece, then that, that's a little more meaningful. And in the joint practices that they have, I still think it'll be Mayfield come opening day because he's got the experience uh, in his career. Uh, having started for three years in, in Cleveland and and partially in, in Carolina and the end of the season as a starter with the Rams last year after Stafford got hurt. You've got a situation down there with, with, with a coach who's on the hot seat in Todd Bowles. So I don't know that he's going to want to throw his eggs in the in the Trask basket starting opening day, but Stranger things have happened if, if Trask clearly beats out Mayfield. So I think that it'll be Mayfield. Then you've got Washington, Sam Howell, uh, a fifth-round pick last year. So I guess it's possible for a fifth-rounder to emerge so Jaron Hall can, can uh, look at that situation with Sam Howell, but he's trying to hold off Jacoby Brissett, who's got a lot of experience in several spots including Indianapolis and Cleveland last year before Deshaun Watson came off the suspended list. Brissett was 4-7 and seven in Cleveland last year, started 11 games. Uh, but it, it sounds like Howell is the guy who is going to be the opening day starter there. They sounds like they want him to emerge there and have Brissett in that backup role where he's been in the past. And, and then, then you've got uh, Indianapolis with Anthony Richardson, the fourth overall pick in the draft. And Gardner Minshew, I think that's a really interesting situation, too. Now, Richardson is a guy with tremendous talent, but he, as we know, Jim, only completed, completed 53% of his passes in his one year as a starter at Florida. So are you going to go ahead and start him? Now, what may be in his favor is they've got a head coach who's in his first year in, in Shane Steichen. And obviously Richardson's a long-term answer, so maybe you do throw him in there starting day one. But Minshew's got a lot of experience at Jacksonville and backed up Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia the last couple of years. Also knows the offense better from being with Steichen in Philadelphia. So I, I think that one could go either way on opening day. So those three, we, we, we'll talk more about those in the, in the weeks ahead, especially the Tampa Bay situation, because that most, mostly impacts the Vikings with their opening day opponent. Yes, we'll get much deeper into all the position battles, uh, the training camp developments, the organized team activities, the uh, the organized practices against other teams, which these days are more important than the actual preseason games. We'll get into all that going forward here. Thanks to Jeff 
Thanks to Brandon. Stay with us and check out the Viking Update show as well. And again, if you like the show at talknorth.com, subscribe. It's the easiest way to listen. It's absolutely free. We'll talk to you next week. And thanks for listening.